G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Billy said to me many times, I'm just a country preacher, but God elevated him. And, And I remember he just looked at the crowd and said, God loves you. And when he spoke, those kids listened. You could have heard a pin drop. Coming up today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie relays some fascinating insights based on his brand new book, Billy Graham, The Man I Knew. People need to know about this man who was called by God to be the greatest evangelist in history. This is the day when the lost are found. the world's best-known evangelist, loved and admired by millions, but very few knew him personally. Pastor Greg Laurie was one of those fortunate few, blessed with an insider's view of Billy Graham's world for more than two decades. Today, in this special edition, the US host of A New Beginning, Dave Spiker, talks with Pastor Greg Laurie about the life of the man he describes as the single greatest evangelist who ever lived. Well, Pastor Greg, I hold in my hands your brand new book called Billy Graham, The Man I Knew. Loved the book. One of your best, by the way. thanks. And uh, I'm going to flip all the way back to the back of the book, the second paragraph of the chapter you call Acknowledgements. And I find this fascinating. Here's what you write. You, You say, my collaborator, Marshall Terrell, and I, have consulted a veritable library of Graham books, articles, periodicals, YouTube videos, and thousands of documents on the Internet, including the 1,004-page file the FBI kept on Billy. (laughs) Research reached as far back as the Civil War. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. This book contains dimensions of Billy's life and background, which have never been explored anywhere before. Mm-hmm. That part I found absolutely fascinating. The fact that you have done, I mean, you knew Billy. It says so in the title, Billy Graham, the man I knew. Yes. But you have dug so deeply into giving us such a rich biography on the man that you call the single greatest evangelist who ever lived. That's right. Well, I want people to understand his place in history. He's truly a historical figure. Uh, along the lines of our great presidents and people that impacted our country and even people that impacted our world. And so we wanted to go back to Billy's roots, his father, his uh, grandfather, his great-grandfather. So we we tell the story uh, with a wide overview, but then we go in deeply into his life and And what I wanted to do, Dave, was show the human side of Billy. You know, sometimes a person can 
fade into history and people never really had any interaction with them. And they almost become one dimensional, like President Lincoln on the $5 bill. But he was a real flesh and blood guy, Abraham Lincoln. And so was Billy Graham. And it was my privilege to spend a lot of time with him. A lot of time just hanging out with them, a lot of time asking him questions, a lot of time listening to him preach. Uh, and, and I got to know him, dare I say, as a friend. Mm-hmm. And, and he was just such a great man to observe. You know, the private Billy was even more impressive than the public Billy. And the public Billy was very impressive. I mean, I can't think of a greater preacher I've ever seen. But privately, he was very humble, very gracious, and always was interested in whoever he was speaking to. They might be a famous person like a president, and they might be somebody you've never heard of before. Billy took an interest in people in general and and had a wonderful way about him. And every time I was with him, I almost had to pinch myself. I mean, I was with him a lot, so it wasn't like every time I was with him, I had butterflies in my stomach or something like that. But I never stopped realizing this is Billy Graham I'm hanging out with here and talking to. And it was great to access him uh, and hear things from him and share things with him and be of some small help to him in the final years of his ministry. As Billy was ending his ministry, I was starting my crusade ministry, Hmm. and he asked me to assist him with illustrations in building bridges to younger audiences. So I love doing that. In fact, I found more pleasure in prepping a message for Billy Graham than I found him prepping one for myself. Hmm. And when Billy actually used some of the material I gave him, it was just like one of the greatest moments of my life. Oh, yeah, I'll bet. Uh, Well, near the start of the book, uh, you describe when Billy himself came to the Lord through the preaching of a country evangelist named Mordecai Ham. Yes. What a great name, Mordecai Ham. And you mentioned that the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association still has the decision card that Billy completed. That night he made a commitment. That's a a real piece of history. Yeah, it really is. They not only have that decision card, but they have a whole building called the Billy Graham Library. And if anyone is ever in North Carolina, in Charlotte, you really should go visit it. You know, presidents have their libraries, but this is amazing because it's like an interactive place to go to. There's incredible exhibits. They take you through his life from his childhood growing up on the dairy farm along with his brother Melvin. They have Billy in this tent revival days and then on through all of the things that he did around the world. And it presents the gospel uh, as you walk through. And there's places where you can see the Bible he used, his briefcase, and yes, that decision card of when a very young Billy Frank walked forward at the invitation of evangelist Mordecai Ham, who had set up his tent there in Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, who could have ever thought that that lanky farm boy would go on to be not only the greatest evangelist of his lifetime, but in my opinion, the greatest evangelist in history. And, you know, Billy said to me many times, I'm just a country preacher. I understand that was not false humility. That was Billy just telling the truth. He was just a country preacher, but God elevated him. I remember that he used the illustration, if you see a turtle on a fence post, you know he didn't get there by himself. Mm-hmm. And Billy was the first to acknowledge that God placed him in the place that he was in. And God gave him special gifts that were unique. 
and he had this ability to connect with people. And it was throughout his entire life in ministry, from the early, passionate, fiery Billy preaching for the Youth for Christ, and then at his crusade in the 10th there in Los Angeles that launched him into a global ministry, to the uh, older Billy, elder statesman Billy, and finally the lion in winter, if you will, the grandfatherly Billy. And he always connected with his audience. I can think of times I was with him. I was with him in um, Atlanta, Georgia, and he did a crusade there. In fact, he introduced me to Jimmy Carter, former president Mm. at that point. And that's kind of an interesting thing to be introduced to Jimmy Carter by Billy Graham, but that's exactly (laughs) what happened. But Billy was quite a bit older at that point, and they started doing these youth nights where they were using contemporary Christian bands, which was sort of a a departure from the tradition of the Graham Crusade. And, And some of the team members weren't all that thrilled about it. I thought it was a great move. And he had packed, you know, events, thousands of young people. And what I found fascinating is these great bands would play like DC Talk or an artist like Michael W. Smith. But when Billy walked out there, and by the way, dressed in his suit, not changing the way he dressed, mm. not trying to be Mr. Cool, he was the coolest of cool because he was him. Mm. He was an authentic Billy Graham. And he walked out there. He got the greatest applause of the night. And when he spoke, those kids listened. You could have heard a pin drop. So he had this ability to connect from the beginning to the middle to the end of his ministry. I remember seeing him in New York at his final crusade in Flushing Meadows there. And, and I remember he just looked at the crowd and said, God loves you. And then he would turn to another part of the crowd and say, God loves you. And, and it wasn't as intricate as his early messages, but in its simplicity, Maybe it was even more powerful because Mm -hmm. he lived what he preached. There weren't two Billy Grahams. He was the same in private that he was in public, and he was the godliest man I've ever met. Today's special edition of A New Beginning is all about the life of Billy Graham. We're enjoying a conversation between A New Beginning USA's Dave Spiker and Pastor Greg Laurie about his new book, Billy Graham, The Man I Knew. It'll be released in Australia very soon if you'd like to get hold of it. But right now, let's continue. You mentioned Franklin, Billy's son, longtime friend of yours. And Franklin is a pilot, a a private pilot. And I understand he took you up in his small plane one time. Yeah. Do you remember anything special about that flight? Yeah, you don't forget a flight like that. Uh, It was a very small plane. And Franklin said, you want to go fly with me? I said, okay. So I got on the plane. Just two seats. He's flying it. I'm shotgun. We take off, and immediately he begins a rapid descent. I mean, my stomach came up. I, I'm terrified. Down, up. He pulls it up, and we go down again. He's flying like a crazy man. And I'm like, I would have given anything to get off of that plane. So then he says to me, you want to fly over Daddy's house? And I said, oh, okay. So we come swooping over. Uh, the home of Billy Graham, and he let Billy know that he was coming. So Billy and Ruth are down on their front lawn, and we got down close enough where we could actually see them and make them out. And they're they're standing next to each other, waving at us in the air. And I thought I would give anything to be down there with them instead of up in this cockpit with this crazy man. But uh, we landed, and then the next time Franklin said, do you want to fly with me? 
I was like, eh, maybe another time. Yeah. He's actually a very good pilot, but he was just uh, having some fun at my expense. Well, you've actually been to Billy and Ruth Graham's home yes. several times, haven't Many you? Many times, yes. Uh, it's in Montreat, North Carolina, which is right outside of Asheville. And I always felt like going to his home was better than going to the White House. I've been to the White House quite a few times. I've had the privilege of standing in the Oval Office twice praying for the president on both of those occasions. That's a great honor. But I was more excited to go to the home of Billy Graham. It's it's a log home. Ruth uh, found all kinds of uh, old wood from barns and other things to use to build it. It had her decorating touch throughout it. It was a humble home. Some of the furniture was a bit threadbare. Uh, it was a lived-in home. It, it was a real place. And they had a fireplace with a mantle and carved in wood were the words, a mighty fortress is our God in German. Mm. And it was a massive fireplace. And and I would just sit there in front of that fireplace and there's books laying around and you open it up and one is autographed by, by Golda Meir. And here's another book autographed by Muhammad Ali. These are people Billy interacted with, some of whom came to his home there in Montreat. Many presidents came to visit him there. President Obama uh, toward the end of his uh, term as president, went to visit Billy at Montreat. And Billy would just build friendships and bridges to these people and share the gospel with them. But, you know, even to sit down and have a meal, Ruth would go into the kitchen and she had a sign hanging over her sink that said, divine service done here three times a day. Hmm. They had a doormat when you walked up to the front door that said, not you again, exclamation mark, which that was Ruth's humor. She was very funny, mm-hmm. very quick to laugh. Uh, she was in every way Billy's equal. I enjoyed being with her as much as I enjoyed being with him. You know, I was always a little bit, honestly, intimidated by Billy. I tried to be myself around him, but he was Billy Graham. Where with Ruth, I felt very comfortable, and I would joke more, and, and she had such great insights. And so many wonderful things to say. Once sitting in their home in Montreat, I was just starting my evangelistic ministry, and I said, oh, Ruth, these doors are opening up, you know, to preach the gospel in stadiums, and and I, I think I need to really brush up more of my apologetics now. And she said, Greg, you just preach the gospel. That's what Bill always did. She mm-hmm. called him Bill on that occasion. And I remembered that, not like I don't need to know my apologetics, but she reminded me of what my, what my real mission was. And and by the way, she was a great cook, and the food was fantastic. And it was just so much fun being with them in that environment with their animals. They had a few German shepherds and Uh, You know, I just savored every moment of it, and those are some of the greatest moments of my life, actually. You're listening to A New Beginning and a special edition today with Pastor Greg Laurie, the Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. And we're hearing all about his new book, Billy Graham, The Man I Knew, which will be soon available in Australia. Let's continue right now with the conversation between Pastor Greg and a new beginning USA's Dave Spiker. You mentioned in the book that this is an evangelist's view of the life of the greatest evangelist in history. Yeah. And uh, there are great takeaways for all of us in learning uh, about Billy's life. But mm-hmm. what are a couple of the takeaways for you as an evangelist? Yeah, well, I observed Billy very carefully. You know, when he was on the platform, I would be sitting up there and I could watch him. And 
I watched him as he gave the invitation and thousands of people would come forward to accept Christ. And I asked him after, Billy, what are you personally experiencing physically when you give an invitation? And his response was, I feel like power is going out of me. And I understand that because I've stood on stages in stadiums and arenas and seen many people come forward. And you're in a definite time of spiritual warfare. Uh, The devil really attacks those who are called to present the gospel. And I think one of Billy's secrets was he didn't take himself too seriously. He took his message very seriously. But, But he was really a genuinely humble guy. He would often say, I'm just a country preacher. And, and I would say, well, Billy, you're the greatest country preacher I've ever heard. And hmm. But he really was in his heart just still that young farm boy from Charlotte, North Carolina, that used to milk cows and didn't enjoy it all that much. But, uh, you know, God called him. And and so he, he maintained his humility, and he came through all of this with his integrity intact. And isn't that something we need to hear in this time when we're hearing of stories of people who are in Christian leadership failing morally in other areas. It's good to know that we have a guy that he lived the life. He was the same guy in private that he was in public. So this is a book that will give you insights into Billy. It'll show you the funny side of Billy. It'll show you things that maybe you've not seen in other books. And it was my honor to write it. And it's called Billy Graham, The Man That I Knew. Yeah, let me read something from the book. You write this, The two most important moments in a person's life are when they're born and when they realize what they are born for. Yes. Over and over, we see evidence of what Billy was born for. Do you help us discover what we're born for in this new book? Right. Yes, of course, because, you know, God has a plan for each of our lives. Now, Billy wanted to be a professional baseball player. That's what he aspired to. But after he accepted Christ, a calling came on Billy's life, and he was resistant to it at first. He didn't aspire to be a a preacher. He was a fun-loving, normal young man who, as I said, wanted to go play baseball. But God put a call in his life. And God puts a call in everybody's life. We're not all called to be preachers. Certainly, we're not all called to impact the world like Billy Graham did, but we are all called to preach the gospel, and we are all called to impact our world. You know, when we hear the Great Commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel, we can personalize it and just simply say we need to go into all of our world and preach the gospel. So in this book that I've written on the life of Billy called Billy Graham, The Man That I Knew, I show how the Lord directed him, how the Lord called him, and I describe in detail the amazing changes that happened in his life, and he wanted to go one way, and the Lord led him another way, and and how God was in control of his life from beginning to end, and how the Lord will do that for you as well. I'm hoping that this book will introduce Billy to a whole new generation, especially of young people that don't really know Billy. They weren't raising Billy on television all the time. They never went in person to a Billy Graham crusade. So I'm doing my best to bring this story in an understandable, relatable way to you. I show his humor. I show his humanness. I show some of his vulnerabilities. And you'll only love and appreciate him more after you've read it. 
because he was the same guy in private that he was in public. There were not two Billy Grahams. He was the real deal. And that's why I decided to write a book about Billy Graham, because people need to know about this man who was called by God to be the greatest evangelist in history. Well, Billy passed away in 2018. Uh, the, The news wasn't unexpected, given his age, but... Nevertheless, it was news we all felt. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it hurt to hear that. Do you remember where you were when you heard that Billy had gone home? Yes, I was actually in Israel, hmm. and I was on a, a little tour with some fellow pastors. In fact, um, Sissy Graham Lynch, the granddaughter of Billy, was with us on that trip, hmm. and she heard the news differently than everyone else. We all lost a hero, a, someone we looked up to. She lost her grandfather, and yeah. she was very close to him. And we were all very sad. Now, Billy was 99 years old, so he lived a very long life. But yet, you know, it was the end of an era. And so there was great sadness in losing him because I just feel like we need another Billy Graham right now in our world. You know, a man who's a pastor to presidents, regardless of what side of the political aisle they're on. A man who can speak to us during cultural moments. I mean, Billy was there after 9-11, speaking to the nation, really being a chaplain to America. And he played such a valuable role in, of course, the great evangelist. Uh, but so, yeah, I remember the day very distinctly. And then I attended his memorial service that was held a bit later uh, back at the Billy Graham Library in Charlotte, North Carolina. And just about every pastor I've ever met, in fact, as I walked around and looked at the diversity of people that were there, people from every denominational background, every kind of theological background, I thought, wow, this is what heaven's going to look like if we like it or not. <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to be there because we believed in Jesus and we believed he died on the cross for our sins and rose again from the dead. But uh, these are people that would not normally hang around each other. But even in his funeral service, it was a reminder of the bridges he built to so many people in the Christian world. And so many came from around the world to pay tribute to the great evangelist. And in fact, when his library was dedicated, uh, President Jimmy Carter, uh, President George H.W. Bush were there in, in person, as was President Clinton. Hmm. So that alone shows you how he reached people on both sides of the aisle, and he was loved and appreciated by these presidents that valued his counsel because Billy kept it confidential. And I think that's why people trusted him so much and wanted to to share their heart with him, knowing that he would give them good counsel. And I do write about his relationships with presidents, and it's fascinating. Uh, his relationship with President Johnson is really surprising. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, they, they had a very close friendship. They were both Southerners, you know, so they connected on that level. He was very close to President Reagan as well, not as close to President Carter, but and on it continued with the Bush family, George H.W. Bush. He really played a role in George W. Bush coming to Christ. Hmm. And then fast forwarding, he was very close to Bill Clinton. And Hillary as well. And they admired him. And, and in fact, Bill and Hillary came to his final crusade. And, and some people get very upset because they're so partisan these days. And how dare you be with those people? What are you talking about? You know, Jesus 
spent time with all kinds of people. He was called, critically, I might add, the friend of sinners. Billy built bridges to people, and he always shared the gospel, and he always emulated Christ. And I think we can learn from his example. So I write about that and a lot more in this new book I've written called Billy Graham, The Man I Knew. You know, Pastor Greg, you've thought a lot about his life as you've written this book. If he could be here with us right now, you know, for just a few minutes, what would you ask him? (laughs) Wow, that's a good question. Well, I remember when I asked him when I had the opportunity. I was in his home in Montreat, North Carolina, and I said, Billy, if an older Billy could speak to a younger Billy, uh, what would he say? And really, without missing a beat, Billy said, I would tell myself to preach more on the cross of Christ and the blood of Christ, because that's where the power is. Hmm. And that was something he lived by throughout his entire life. As far as what I would ask Billy today, well, of course, if he was with us back from the other side, I would want to know a lot about the afterlife. Hmm. (laughs) So, Billy, what's heaven like? And, and, you know, what happened up there? But uh, I think I would just tell him how much— I appreciated him. I did tell him that. When I spoke with him for the last time, I told him I loved him. He told me he loved me. I don't say that to people lightly, by the way. And uh, so this, I I had those opportunities to have final conversations with him. But uh, I'd probably just say, you know, you're going to be loved beyond the time you were on this earth and your legacy will live on. And I want to just say to you, thank you for being a good example, not only a great preacher, but thank you for being a good example and a good model of what it means to be a real Christian. So good. And that spirit, I believe, is reflected throughout Pastor Greg Laurie's brand new book, Billy Graham, The Man I Knew. Well, next time, join us for some powerful insight as Pastor Greg helps to focus our perspective on eternity. Join us here on A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie, same time tomorrow. Now, for a copy of today's full message or to pre-order the book, Billy Graham, The Man I Knew, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. Go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.